0: Increase our faith. Now, in the first four verses of this chapter of Luke, which we didn't hear, Jesus has been talking about forgiveness. If the same person sins against you seven times a day and turns back to you seven times and says, I repent. You must forgive. So the disciples naturally think they must have need of this enormous amount of faith in order to accomplish this task. And so they ask for it. Increase our faith. And Jesus says, No. You don't need more faith. The faith you have, as dinky as you think it is, is enough if you will just live it. Jesus' response to the disciples' request suggests that their request is kind of misguided. It's not a question of quantity, it's a question of sufficiency. Faith the size of a mustard seed is sufficient for even the most demanding tasks of discipleship. Now, if you grew up like I did in the 60s, 70s, maybe, you might have had a charm bracelet. My charm bracelet had a little glass cylinder on it that my mother had given me and in it were several mustard seeds connected to this verse. If you have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, nothing will be impossible to you. The mustard seed is known both for its minuscule size, it's only about one to two millimeters in diameter, and for the contrastingly large and rather unruly bush that it produces. It's also known for my personal favorite, it's robust flavor. I love good grainy mustard, (laughs) usually smeared on a bratwurst. (laughs) But again, the point of Jesus' metaphor is not to quantify faith, but to affirm its power. Yes, Jesus has just told the disciples that the bar is high for them. Forgive, forgive, forgive again. But what he means is, don't give up. Because you won't be given up on either. In the words of the psalmist from today... Put your trust in the Lord and do good. The example that Jesus uses to illustrate this point to the disciples is troublesome for us in some ways because this is one of those stories in the Bible that has been used by men to support and justify slavery. but this is not an example of Jesus endorsing slavery any more than Jesus would endorse violence or discrimination or marginalizing those deemed less than. Jesus is talking about a mutually accountable relationship in which the servant performs duties and in return can expect nourishment and rest and protection from the master it is a construct that his disciples would have been well familiar with but even they were shocked when jesus himself took on the role of a servant washing their feet on monday thursday So think of our own relationships with God. We serve God and others. Do we expect something in return? Do we do what we do because we hope to gain some kind of bonus points? Do we see it as some kind of drudge work born out of some desire to stay out of hell? I don't think so. Who among us hasn't received a blessing by helping someone in need or sitting with someone in trouble or grief or rejoicing with someone who's gotten good news? What relationship isn't made stronger when we do these things? Aren't we the ones who are usually changed? Don't those encounters increase our faith? At least we think that's what happens. Let me tell you, in fact, that is what happens. But it doesn't happen because we make it so. It happens because we act through faith in Christ. Now, if you will indulge a newly ordained priest, I'll tell you a quick story. At the ordination service last Saturday, the dean of the cathedral, the very Reverend Dr. Chris Keller, gave his traditional good wishes to the newly ordained priests. It's the most rewarding job you'll ever have, he said, and it's harder than it looks. So when the communion began, I was serving the bread at the rail on one side, as I have done here many times. The body of Christ, the bread of heaven. The body of Christ, the bread of heaven. The body of Christ, the bread of heaven. The next person at the rail had their arms crossed over their chest. What does that mean? Just a blessing, please. I almost dropped the patent. I had to bless this person for the first time as a priest. After a moment of panic and a very deep breath, I began with the only blessing I have committed to memory. The peace of God, which passes understanding, keep your hearts and mind in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you always. So about halfway through that fairly long blessing, something happened to me. All the emotion, doubt, anxiety because let me tell you there has been plenty smoothed out into this sense of solidity if that's a word within me and I was able to continue as calmly as if I had been blessing people all my life something fell away and what has remained is as solid as anything I can imagine. Suzanne Stabile, an Enneagram master teacher, explains the difference between change and transformation in this way. Change takes place when we add something to our lives, and we are changed for a season or two. But transformation happens when something falls away and we are never the same. I believe in that moment, my fear of being a priest fell away. And while that feeling is strong now, I know it'll waver over time because that's the job. But I believe it's real right now. And I know not everyone has experienced something like I did on Saturday. Not everyone feels their faith set like a fence post in concrete. Sometimes our fence post gets pretty wobbly. The concrete seems to crack. The hole at the base gets, as my dad says, wallered out. many of us struggle with our faith in times of trouble. Scary medical diagnosis, financial difficulty, depression, anxiety, loneliness, relationships gone bad, loss of a loved one. And we tend to think somehow that we are suddenly alone in our struggle. But we're not. Remember the Hebrew scripture reading from Habakkuk. Write the vision. Make it plain. If it seems to tarry, wait for it. It will surely come. God promises to be there with the disciples, with the servant, with us. And God is faithful. He sent Jesus, the Christ, to live among us, to show us how to live together in faith. And what does God ask of us? Only the tiniest, mustard-seediest bit of faithfulness. The disciples had all they needed when Jesus said, Come, follow me. And they did. They acted with faith. We have all we need right now, sitting right here. In today's collect, we prayed, forgive us those things of which our conscience is afraid. So I ask you, Can we let our fear of not having enough faith fall away? Can we let our fear of failing to do or be enough fall away? Can we let our fear of being alone in our struggles fall away? if we can remember in whom we have our faith, if we can remember that God is able to do all things, that his grace is sufficient for all of us, that Christ lived and died and rose again so that he might draw all people to himself, then we can rest assured that our faith even if it's no bigger than a mustard seed, is also sufficient. Amen.